All right, what's up, guys? So uh, first off, I want to say thank you, band, uh, for leading us in time of praise and worship. Uh, I love I love getting to do praise and worship. I think it's such a great opportunity to thank God for what he's done for us and uh, to just love on him a little bit and, and praise him. Uh, so like I said earlier, my name is Joshua Walters. I just go by Josh. Uh, I'm an intern here this summer. I'm a discipleship intern, though, so I don't normally get to spend too much time with you guys tonight, but I'm so glad to be with you. Uh, and... I am in college. I go to Southern Nazarene University in Oklahoma City, and in the fall, I'll be starting my senior year of college. So shout out to all my seniors in high school. Yeah? Okay. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) great. Great work, guys. So uh, I know that in your senior year, it can be kind of stressful just because there's so many decisions you'll have to make that will affect your life uh, greatly. But I think that it's so important uh, throughout your senior year to really just focus in on what God is doing in that meantime and, and working in you and, and guiding you. And so uh, that's, that's going to be what I uh, talk about tonight. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why I'm here. That is something that's on my heart, is just learning how to let God lead me in, in the meantime. And uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about tonight, that tonight, but let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you today for your love. Uh, Thank you for your spirit that guides us, and I pray that as we go into this time, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, that you would open ears and that you would open minds to uh, receive your word. Uh, Lord, we just want to get to know you better, and we want to uh, be closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, like I said, I'm also a senior, so there's big decisions I'm going to have to be making But just because you're not a senior doesn't mean you have big decisions of your own. So there's a little handout that you're given. If you have a pen, it'd be awesome if you could write down on that first question, if you could write down a couple things that you're struggling with, uh, making decisions about. Uh, It could be, you know, maybe if you want to try out for choir, maybe you're thinking about taking an honors class, trying out for a new sports team, maybe that you've never played before. Maybe joining a club like FCA, FBLA, something like that. Uh, Just go ahead and write those down for me. Uh, I know that when I was a senior, I'll use this example, I had kind of been going in this direction where I knew I was going to go to a a Bible college where I would study theology and hopefully one day become a pastor. But when it was my senior year and I figured out that all of, basically all of my friends were going to this different college I was like, man, I know God is calling me to this Bible college, but it, it's really hard not to go where my friends are. And so uh, that is one choice that I had to make. Uh, but I just want you guys to know you're not alone in making those choices. And Psalm 139 tonight that I'm going to talk about that David wrote, he does such a great job of showing how amazing God is and then just helping us realize why we can trust him and why we can lean uh, into letting him lead us. And so I'll break down Psalm 139, the first 16 verses and the last two. And then uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my life. And then I'll try to give you guys some tips or some practical things that you can use in your own life that could be beneficial. And then we'll finish up with some prayer. Before I get started, I want to teach you guys a little word. And maybe you could use in a Bible study someday or maybe a theology class if you ever take one. And it's this word pericope. Can you repeat it? Pericope. Pericope. 
Sweet. So pericope literally just means a group of verses, but theologians love to use that word. I don't know why, but it's awesome. So pericope is a word I'll be using a lot. Uh, Let's go ahead and read Psalm 139, 1 through 6, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So this first pericope that we see from David, uh, he's writing about God's omniscience. And omniscience uh, simply means all-knowing. So it means that God knows everything about everything that there is to know. And he describes this for us pretty easily in verse 2. He breaks it down, and he says, You know when I sit and when I rise. So God knows even the mundane things in our life, when we sit down, what we eat, when we eat, uh, when we go to bed. He knows all of these things about us. And then verse 4 tells us that, God knows what we are going to do before we even do it. He says, before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it. So before we can do anything, God already knows, which is kind of creepy, but it's awesome at the same time. Uh, And then verse 6, it says, such knowledge is too high for me to attain. And I think that this is something that I kind of want to talk to you guys about. So it's, it's hard for us as humans who only have like a finite ability uh, you know, like we won't live forever and we, we can't think in the ways that God will. So it's hard for us to reason for an infinite God, uh, but that's going to be okay because God doesn't call us to know everything about him. He calls us to love him and his people and have a relationship with him. Uh, and then David, throughout this whole Psalm, a point that I want to make for you guys is throughout this whole Psalm, David talks in the first person. So he says me a lot. He says, search me, know me, uh, And what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to read this like you are David. I want you to read it in the first person because it means something to each one of you as an individual. So if you guys want to read with me, it's up on the screen. Uh, I'll read it first and then we'll read it together. How's that sound? You know, it's kind of weird trying to get people to read with you. But it's not that God knows everything, but that God knows me. All right, here we go. It's not that God knows everything, but that God knows me. So why this is important is I want you guys to realize that God created everything and he has this this ability to know everything, but he cares about the little things that you do in your life, the mundane things. Uh, And he he knows what you're you're thinking before you even do. All right, so next let's move on to verses 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. For the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So there's a first, there's uh, what God is being described as by David in this pericope is that God is, has omnipresence. He is omnipresent. 
And that means that he is all present. That means he is everywhere at once and he never ceases to exist anywhere. So basically it's just anywhere you go, he is there. And David lays this out pretty easily for us in in verses seven and eight. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then in eight, he says, if I go to the heights of heaven, or if I go to the depths of Sheol, which is the depths of hell, you are there. And so we can't go anywhere in a location where God won't be. And then David says something really interesting in verse 9. And he talks about riding on the wings of the morning or the wings of the dawn. And what he's referring to is when the sun crests the earth and in the morning when we have sunrise and it travels so fast. And so that's the speed of light. So he's effectively saying that even if I travel at the speed of light, Lord, you're there with me. So there's no place I can go. There's no speed I can travel that God isn't there with us. And then we have verses 11 through 12, and that's where he says, the dark is not dark to you. So not only will God be with us no matter how fast we go or how slow we go or no matter where we go, but even in the darkness, when, when us humans can't see each other, if we're off in a room or, or it is really just dark at night, God sees us like it's the middle of the day. And so a point that I want you guys to see is that It's not that God is everywhere, but that he is everywhere with me. All right, so can we go ahead? It's not that God is everywhere, but that God is everywhere with me. And so there's no place that you can go or travel to that God won't be with you, walking with you, seeing you through uh, the end. So let's go on to verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So what we see here is that God is omnipotent. And that means that he is all-powerful. But David is specifically talking about uh, the creator side of God's omnipotence. And he's saying that God not only can do everything, but he created everything. And he can create anything. Uh, In verse 13, we see that it says, you knit me together in my mother's womb, which is kind of weird to think about, but it's really amazing uh, the intricacies that God wove into us, our, our vessels, our muscles, our, like our eyes, like how incredible they are. God did all of that. And that verse also reminds me of my favorite Christian pickup line. All right, so here we go. So you, you, find, you find your crush, you walk up to him or her, whoever it may be, and you said, man, God must have spent some extra time creating you. And then you have to give a little wink, and then you have to give the finger guns, because that's when you get really effective with it, okay? So remember that. Use it. Be careful with it because it's really effective, okay? So make sure you choose the right person. All right. And then we have verse 16 where David says that before I was even alive, you formed, you formed my life and you formed my days. And it's kind of like the omniscience that I was talking about in verse 4 about how God knows everything about us before we even do it or he knows what we're going to do before we do it. But not only that he knows it, but that he put it into place before we were even alive. He, he mapped out our days for us already. 
And the key point I want you guys to get from this is that it's not just that God created everything, but he created me. So here we go. It's not that God created everything, but that he created me. I read that wrong and I'm sorry, but you guys did a great job. So uh, what I want you guys to, to realize is that we have in Genesis 1, God is creating all of the things in the earth, and after five days, he calls those things that he created good. And then on the sixth day, he created humans. He created us. And then that is when God said, it is really good. So he did, you guys are a part of that creation, and he sees you guys as making the earth not just good, but really good. He holds a really high importance on us, and I want you to know that tonight. So now let's go to verses 23 and 24. Uh, and so this verse, sorry, okay. So this verse is, uh, these two verses, I'm sorry, are really huge in what David is doing. So in the first 16 verses, he talks about how uh, God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. And so he's saying that God is able to do anything. He knows everything, and he's always there with me. And so he comes up with this prayer, and he says, I'm sorry, it's, it, I don't think it's going to be up on the screen. Okay, so it's not going to be up on the screen, but he says, Send me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I just imagine David, a king of Israel, he has to make all these tough choices every day, you know, a lot of weight on his shoulders. And I just imagine that he goes off into a secret place by himself, and he's writing all of these things down about truths about God, about how he is omniscient, how he is omnipotent, how he is omnipresent, how he is able to do all of this. And then he's like, Lord, if you know everything, then I want you to run tests on me. I want you to search my heart. And I, and I want you to find anything wrong with me, but you don't have to tell me those things because if you are, and you are an omniscient God and you know everything, then you know things that I won't understand about myself. And so instead of, instead of telling me those things, just go ahead and lead me, Lord. And this is beautiful because this highlights uh, David's awareness that he just wrote about how God is omnipresent and omnipotent. He already formed these days. So instead of sending him, a lot of times we see in the Bible people say, send me, Lord. But David says, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, use your omnipresence and take me with you and let me journey down a road with you. And so now I kind of want to transfer into how God uh, has led me. And so I was pretty tight with God growing up. I grew up in the church. Uh, I didn't actually start caring that I was at church until I was probably like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, but then after that, I got pretty tight with God. I had a, a youth pastor that was a blessing to me and just really brought me closer to God. Uh, but then in my eighth grade year, it was springtime. My dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, stage four. Uh, so it just was, it was not good news. I mean, it's probably the worst news I could have gotten in the time is what it felt like. Uh, because I was like, man, I'm so close with God, but, but my dad was just diagnosed with this, and it, and it hurt me, and it, and it tested me. But 
because I had such an amazing support group and I, I was, uh, and I had a relationship with God, it didn't push me away when, I got, when my dad got this diagnosis. Rather, it, it pulled me closer into God. And so uh, I remember my pastor got me this devotional to start and get in the Word, and it was called Solo. And it played a really big part for those next two years in, in helping me read the Bible and apply it to my life. And then also I would wake up at like five o'clock every morning before school so I could pray. And eventually my dad passed away when I was a sophomore in high school, so two years later. Uh, But I will say that because I was letting God lead me in that time, he really, uh, wow, he really gave me some of the best times with my father that I could have asked for. I mean, my dad was sick through this whole time. He was doing chemo treatments. But I got to spend so much good time with him and make so many good memories with my father that, that I don't know if I would have been able to make without it. Tough to say. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I wasn't always perfect. A few months after my dad had passed, I started not reading the word as much. And I started to not pray as much. And I started to use school, sports, and even some of my relationships as more of a distraction away from that, uh, away from God. And it's because I was kind of in this meantime that I was talking about. So when I was a freshman, I, God kind of put on my heart that I was supposed to be a pastor. So I decided I was going to go to a Bible college, and I was going to study theology and be a pastor. So for those next three years after my dad passed, I really just kind of let myself go into cruise control. I was just kind of there. I wasn't really going to God for anything. I was, I was still praying and I was still reading, going to church, but it wasn't a real, I wasn't really checked in like God, God calls us to be and, and God wants from us. And so uh, my junior year of college, which would have literally just been a year ago, I I had had this empty feeling in my, uh, in my chest, uh, and there just wasn't anything to replace it with other than God. That sounds cheesy, but it was just true. It was just, I realized that I needed to get back in check, and I needed to, you know, start reading more, and I, not, I needed to start praying more and being careful about the relationships I got myself in. And once I did that, I just felt God leading me back in the, in the direction that he had me. I've seen him use me in ministry more in the last year. And uh, it's because of God leading me that I was able to apply for an internship here. And I got it. And ever since I have, uh, not only have I learned how to do ministry better, but I've also learned how to live a life led by God. And so that leads us into the next part where it talks, where I want to talk to you guys about uh, three things that I think you guys could apply to your own life that would be uh, beneficial and helpful in letting God lead you. And so the first one uh, is the life-giving word. I guess it would be up here for you guys. The life-giving word. And so that is the Bible, reading the Bible, spending time in the word. And in the Bible, we get to see uh, God interact with his people and, and do truly amazing things uh, through the broken and through the downcast and through the people that are counted out. Uh, and I also think it's very important for us to read the Bible because just like any other relationship we have, we have to get to know the person that we're in that relationship with. And the Bible or the Word is a really great opportunity to do that because it's literally God's Word that He spoke to us. And then the next thing I want to talk to you about is sincere prayers. Uh, I think 
it, it's very easy for me to be like, thank you, God, you're awesome, amen. I don't actually say exactly that, but it's something like that, you know, it's, it's half-hearted. But these sincere prayers are really important. And <clears throat> uh, one thing that I don't think we do well enough when we pray, because, you know, we can be really good about thanking God for the things in our life and, and telling him our need for him. But we never sit down and just stop and listen to what God is saying to us. Prayer isn't just a one-way thing. It's a, it's a two-way street. And so uh, we'll practice that a little bit later. But I know in my life, I have to be very intentional on, on, you know, when I do say prayers like search me, God, and know my heart, that I don't just get up and start living my life the way I was, but that I actually let the Lord work in that prayer. And then the next part is loving relationships. Now, I'm sure about 99% of you have had a parent or guardian or uncle or aunt or someone tell you, if your friend jumped off a cliff, would you also? And listen, the answer is actually yes. I, I know it is. But of course, we're never going to say that because we're already in trouble and we're not trying to be a smart aleck and get in more trouble. So I think that I think that, that statement does hold a lot of weight, though, because the relationships that we have in our life matter a lot. And they can lead us and guide us uh, wherever they will. <clears throat> and so if we don't have relationship with people that align what they, what God wants for me for with what they want for me. Sorry, let me say that again. If I don't find people who want for me what God wants for me, then it'll be very easy for me to be pulled away and pulled their direction and led away from what God is doing in my life. And so I think a really great illustration for this is Jesus, which he's always a great illustration, but especially when it comes to him and the disciples. So the disciples were the 12 people that he could go on, go back to and spend time with, and he traveled with, he did everything with the disciples, and they followed him. Uh, but Jesus never stopped there. He chose to still have relationships with people that didn't follow him. He chose to uh, love sinners and everyone alike. Uh, but he did always have that group he could go back to and recharge with, and that, and that was the disciples. And I think that that is something that God wants for us, is you know, to have a group of people that we can go back to, that we can retreat to, and know that they will be guiding us in the same direction that God is taking us. And so, uh, you know, a lot of this, like, well, why is he telling me we need to do all these things? You know, like... Uh, how can I trust that what he is saying is good? Uh, I think that Jesus in the New Testament says something in John 14 that was really stuck with me. And uh, man, it just kind of wrecked me when I re read it. So here we go. I'm going to go ahead and read it for you guys. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this is Jesus talking to the disciples, and they're like, Jesus, we want you to stay with us. Like, don't leave us. But Jesus is like, I have something better. I have a helper that's coming. And you won't have to worry about if you know him, because you do. Jesus says you know him. So you don't need to worry about, you know, like, oh, gosh, I don't know if God will lead me because, you know, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. But you already know the Holy Spirit. He is within you. 
And he is dwelling with you and guiding you along the way. So, like I said, uh, let's go ahead and pray. But I promised that we would have some silent time in our prayer where we could practice listening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, verses 23 and 24 of Psalm. And then we're just going to bow our heads and we're going to spend about a minute uh, of time in, in silence. And I want you to really focus in on listening to God and I want you to uh, just silent your, silence your thoughts, all right? So bow your heads with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, thank you for your love, guidance, and discernment that you are willing to give to us. I pray that we would realize that as we go on reading your word, spending time in prayer, and joining in loving relationships, that we would not doubt that the Holy Spirit is with us, guiding us. Father, I pray thank you for giving us salvation through Jesus and guidance from the Holy Spirit so that we can grow closer to and fall deeper in love with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.